Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Podcart used to be Glasgow Podcart the last time that I spoke to this guest. It's international Podcart now. Interstellar Podcart. Come Wanker. You just. I've sold out. I don't even fucking live here anymore. Don't talk to me about selling out. <laughs> um, my guest this week is Aram Hubbard, or uh, known fondly by people that know him, Hubby. Hello. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm. Yeah. I've asked you to... So I'm going to play two of your tracks 
from your latest album, but mm. I'm also going, I've asked you to pick five tracks. Now you've chosen them from the collaborators that you've worked with on your latest album. Yeah. So the uh, first track is um, by a, a lady called Catherine Joseph, mm-hmm. um, who I think everyone that kind of comes into contact with her or just kind of sees her live or whatever, or even interacts with her on Twitter, um, it becomes quite obsessed with her um, and intoxicated by her almost. relationship start with you guys um i uh i don't know how she knew about me but i picked up her album uh probably about six months after everyone else been raving about it Mm -hmm. you i'm usually late on that stuff and i really loved it it was great and then a mutual friend of ours uh finn lamarinell yeah he kind of invited me along to do a wee secret set at his single launch, and Catherine was supporting him as well. Um, so yeah, it was, it was. I saw her play, and I was greeting, and 
she saw me playing, she was greeting, and afterwards it was like, we'll do this all together. <laughs> oh, fucking no. Um, and it was quite soon after that that I'd, I'd, I'd got, started working on Telling the, <coughs> excuse me, on telling the Trees. So, yeah, I think she was one of the first people I asked, actually. I think her and Helen and Annalise were the, the first people I asked. Yeah. And so you've you've chosen the outtakes as the the track that you um, wanted to play on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Why why this song? You know what? I, it could have been any of them. Off yeah. Album, to be honest, um, it was. I don't know what it's about that song actually. Do you think that I think sure. she's got the same quality as you do in that it's an identifiable vein throughout each track, and you know that it's like you say it's it's almost. Like, I don't want to use the word trick, but it's you know, you, you you can identify, I guess. Oh, you can do, you can. I'm being unnecessarily mean to Kevin because that's what I do to people <laughs> I love, and um, and are deeply jealous of. You know, but but the yeah, I can even before the singing starts, I can always tell it's Kevin. Yeah. Just, just the way she touches the piano. Yeah. We um, we did a show together a few weeks ago, and, um, and it was just her on the piano. And I've I've seen her quite a few times, um, always with Marcus. Um, and I like to think I built up a tolerance to the general just weepiness that happens. But uh, just watching her, um, my, my girlfriend Kirsty was there as well, and just her on the piano, I realised that I always use Marcus as a diversionary tactic. So when it's getting too much, I'll look at him for a wee while and go, oh, that's fucking clever. I like that. <laughs> and so then I go back to Catherine, but when he's not there, I was just bawling. I was, yeah. I was, I was sitting and surrounded by shitloads of people that come to see me play, just fucking crying at them. <laughs> and I get first, just hold my hand, going, oh, it's all right, happy. It was amazing. It was amazing. And it's just... It's just something about... I d- since uh, I can't describe it, which I think is why I love it yeah. so much. You know, it's it's not. I love the way that she stares at people oh, when yeah. she's playing. I know. Oh, people... she 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 toys with people's yeah. emotions. You know? Yeah, <laughs> but you do that. I always remember you. Um, you said that. I don't know if you said it to me or you said it to a crowd or something. I think it was a, a gig that you played. And it was about playing with people's emotions. And you said that you make them laugh and then you make them cry because it's very much, once you've got them yeah. to the laughing stage, it's it's so much easier to make them cry. Oh, it's like pushing someone off a cliff, you know. it's. <laughs> I think I think it's basically... You, you saw my really early shows. My, my early shows were just really intense. Yeah. There wasn't really any humour in them. Because I was really ill, and it was making me feel better, and I was clutching to for dear life, you know. Mm-hmm. It's a, over the years, it's become a very different experience for me, um, because I'm generally not that miserable in yeah. real life, you know. And so I like I like hearing people laugh at my stupid jokes and stuff. But but I also found my my sets have a structure; they have a, a kind of narrative flow for the story that I want to tell that night. Yeah. And and it is it's really it's really effective. My my worst nightmare is to be described as a singer songwriter, you know. But I am essentially a white guy with a beard and an acoustic guitar <laughs> on a stage by myself, you know. I'm a, it's hardly unique, but but my worst fear is to is for people to think that's what I am. And that's well, it's it's a fair point, you know. <laughs> Because I know how much you would hate that. <laughs> I think that's why I find it so funny. I fucking hate it, you know. And it, and it's because it's it's not my show. The last thing it is, and the first thing it is is a very earnest guy telling you about his feelings mm-hmm. while he's playing acoustic guitar. You know, that 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 sounds like the worst night I can imagine. <laughs> so so I worked very hard to make it not be that. <laughs> so 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 like the music isn't like that, and the story certainly aren't like that. I used to do a thing when when I was out in tour with Mogwai, um, before anyone knew who I was, where I'd go out and pretend to be a roadie. <laughs> you know, the big guy with tattoos. <laughs> so, so, and just start playing. And people like, what the fuck? 
That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. I liked doing that. We'll move on to the next track and, and yes. Rachel's. remember you telling me um so i'd never heard of this and then i saw you're very young yeah <laughs> but then you um kind of compared it to you, you said it's pretty much it inspired quite a lot of people that i think i don't know if it inspired like muggles oh, like yeah, yeah 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 i mean it was um they came out of the same scene as um 
Slint mm-hmm. and people like that in Louisville and Kentucky and they all played together and it was this is where I go into the old man hobby bit for a wee while but I think must have first heard about them in the early the early mid nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, yeah, because we put Godspeed on at thirteenth note, and they were talking about them and people that like is that. ridiculous. It's mental, isn't it? It's that mental. is ridiculous. The old thirteenth note, so it's crazy. But anyway, so we kept hearing rumours about this new band. Yeah, that's you know that was like Slint Rodan type, because Slint changed all our lives. You know, it was like fucking. It was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, but we couldn't hear it because the records went over here and there was no internet. Um, so when we eventually did hear it and it was a string quartet and piano um, and just the most beautiful music, it totally fucking blew my mind because it, it just it seemed like the most punk rock thing to come from this, to be an integral part of this scene and and... To do their own thing, it was like the whole point of punk rock. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, uh, and this 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 album, particularly this song, I really loved. And Ra- Rachel's one of one of those people that I really love her so- solo piano records as well. But yeah, she, her and 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 Helen Marnie especially were two that um, I just never thought I would get to write music with. Yeah. You know, so it was, it was really it was a total thrill.
and and obviously speaking of of Helen, um, I mean that track that you've done with Helen on on the album mm. is my my favourite awesome. out of all of them, and I've literally had it on repeat. Um, and I when I first kind of heard like electronic. Um, and you, I was just like, okay, I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to like this. You know, you just automatically get that, you know, you make it's, a presumption. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 um, I made this album in a really particular way. I made, I tried to minimise my involvement in it. Yeah. Um, but the interesting thing, on Sweet Dreams especially, actually, is, um, about half of the electronics is actually the guitar. Right. Um, so it's... Helen added some synth lines. Uh-huh. I kind of arpeggiated synths. But, um, poor Paul Savage, fucking hell. I can't remember if it was this song or if it was maybe Probably Will, Probably Do, where he actually walked out of the studio and just disappeared for a while. Really? We're working on. Because we did so much work in production on it with, um, I had this thing where I didn't want to play to drum machines or um, add anything beyond the initial guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Sweet Dreams, for example, the drums here are actually triggered by the guitar. So I'm doing that pattern on the guitar. That's amazing. And then Paul devised a way to trigger drum machines every, you know, when I'm doing percussive hits, depending on the velocity and, and the frequency of those hits, is triggering drums. Um, and he also did some, some tuned drums, so basically I'm, the percussive hits are triggering tones. Yeah. as well so and the chorus it gets really big and there's this big kind of bassy melody that's from the guitar so it's I wanted to make electronic music without using those tools basically yeah. so um, but it's weird because if you don't just say that if people don't know that it just sounds like me doing electro but that was the point that was the point the point was to all of the drums you hear on the album are actually triggered from my guitar um, it's just we're dub- we're doubling up. We're using the guitar to trigger snitters and bass drums, and um, and it's not an overdub. It's like the actual guitar parts doing that. So I can play all of the album just on the guitar, right? Um, apart. And was that the, the always the aim? Way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because it's it's not interesting for me to go and try and figure out how to use a drum machine or to figure out how to. Program sense properly, but but it's, it's it's so much more organic. Yeah, well, that's the point. That's, yeah, that's the point. That's why myself and Helen can go and do sweet dreams. Yeah, because we never really added much to the guitar and voice, apart from those synth lines. Um, and it's it's why I can do all, all of the album live. <laughs> The lift door closed, I pressed a button for the fourth floor. Your metal eyes cast a stare, and I didn't know what you could see. No one came in or out, and I can't Go 
white glass up by four. You think I'm the flower, I feel like the soul. Come on, take a spin in the eye of the stone. about me it was almost about me trying to ape their music just with a guitar and no overdubs like it was going back to like the early Starry and Hubbard stuff with like the rules about not not overdubbing not cheating if I went to drum beat I had to figure out how to play the drum beat whilst doing the melody mm-hmm. um, so Sweet Dreams especially I wrote that because I thought that's the type of thing Helen would write yeah and with Annika as well that's from Falvin that's what I did. I went away. Whenever they'd say yes to it, I'd go away for three days, four days, just doing nothing but listening to their music, and then try and write a song f- as if they were writing it, and then send it to them, and ask them to do whatever they wanted, but just don't tell me what they're doing, or ask for permission. Just do whatever you want, send it back, mm-hmm. and that'll be the song. <laughs> Do you remember a show that you thought, okay, 
I don't need to talk about this anymore. I'm just going to have a good time and I'm just going to talk. I'm just going to be quite humorous. Was there a particular show that stands out for you? No, because I, I do still talk about it. Right, okay. But but it's it's become more... Um, less about the therapy and more about just acknowledging it. Yeah. Um, and thanking people as well for coming and letting me do this, you know. Cause it, so it's 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 become less the reason than then it's more it's more just a, an explanation of why this thing, why this show's happening and why why it's going on you know but it's not do you feel that because I've, I've, I, I, you know I've dealt with anxiety and I almost feel that I'm I'm almost glad that I had it because it wouldn't have triggered other things yeah. but it's almost like a, a really kind of awful friend that you've got in the background yeah um and you just think yeah i, I don't know if that's the that's, best way to explain it really. it's a very good way to explain it it's, it's like an abusive relationship you yeah. know there's there's something oddly comforting about about feeling a depressive period coming yeah. up because there's certainty to it mm-hmm. it's recognizable and it's comfortable sometimes you know um, even though you know it's really bad for you at the same time mm-hmm. there was a song Breaks and Bone called Bolt yeah. that was exactly about that you know mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's like a it's yeah it's like an abusive partner Yeah, partner being the key word there you know it's it f- form your identity is part of you Mm-hmm. Which isn't to say it's not a part of you you wouldn't gladly be rid of, but at other times you're. So it's, it's it's this weird. I've got this weird thing where I've managed to have a you know a semi-successful career, doing something I've always wanted to do, in large part because of my mental illness. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, no, so so it's it's weird to acknowledge that, mm-hmm. um, and it does make you think. Well, if I could take a pill and it all went away tomorrow, would I do that? You know, would and I? I've questioned that, and I, yeah. I have often said no because yeah. it does. It kind of sets you apart from so many other people and things, and yeah. I think it just pushes you. Um, but I guess people think you're like would they think we are quite weird for, for saying that. I don't think so. I think most people would probably feel that. I think I think, I think you'd be scared of losing a part of yourself, even though it's part of yourself that's probably the shitty bit. Yeah, you know, so it's. I don't know. There's days I would happily take the pill, and there was yeah. da- there was days there's days that I wouldn't. Um, I think that's just just being human. But the I don't I don't think the music helps me that much with it anymore. To be honest, no, no, no. I've been really ill this year, and it's been because of music. So it's yeah. <laughs> so it's um, it's not. It's not actually. It's not been because of music. It's been because of business, you know. But but the the. I think I recognised when I was making breaks and bone. I recognised that it maybe wasn't the healthiest way to deal with my my mental health issues was to rely on an ever changing audience. Yeah. Um. Because it just it wasn't it's not stable to do it. You do you do two bad shows in a row and you're fucked. Mm-hmm. You know it's fine. You do one bad show and you're shit for a day and then you get better the next yeah. day. But or if you do bad shows last night in your tour, then what do you do? You know it's kind of it's not a good way to do it. So I started, I started finding better ways to, to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and just let the music be music. Which is what, weirdly telling the truth is about. It's about music. And it seems like a very odd thing to, to say, coming up from a fifth album, that's the first one that I actually thought about music for. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, it's, but it's true, you know. It's... Getting together with the likes of Alex and Stuart and Emma and everyone for Lost in France... Mm. Was there a point during that whole kind of experience that you just kind of sat there and looked around and went, God, I, you know, this might never have happened. I, you know, I can't believe this is that we've we've both been brought together. Or is it just a case of? Yeah, it was. I don't. I don't. Oh, I don't think it was for me. But it was. Because you're insensitive. I'm quite insensitive. <laughs> I suppose thinking. How does this relate to me, and how can I profit from it? You know, because <laughs> that's what I fucking do. Um, no, 
I mean, it, it, it was it was a really great. We were down there for four, three or four days, and, yeah. and it was brilliant. The photos are phenomenal. Yeah, you'll love the film. It's really I, good. I'm so looking forward to it. It's really good. It's basically just us telling jokes and talk, telling fucking funny stories, yeah. you know, and um, and some great music. And Alex and I wrote a song while we were down there. We ended up doing it at the show, and and uh, he actually pointed out at the time it's like it's the first time we'd been on stage together for twenty three years. You know, it's mental. So it's there was lots of little things like that that happened mm-hmm. that were actually quite remarkable. Fuck, I mean, if you think of the talent pool there, you think of <laughs> you know, it's it's, you think of the records that we made just from those people that yeah, changed it's people's how lives. Defining you know? it has been for the Scottish music plane, and just yeah, that's true. Actually, yeah. it's you know, it, how much has that kind of impacted what has happened now, even to, I mean. Obviously, we have said that we believe that the music industry is fucked. Well, we've been saying that for a while, but I think the key difference is now that it it's happened. Yeah. It got it was it was fucked three years ago when we yeah. said it was getting fucked, and what's happening now is that people have run out of life savings. Yeah. To run their labels and to run their websites and to run their bands, you know, bands are really fucking expensive. Yeah. Um. I mean, I I do okay, you know. I've been able to tour a lot, um, but the only reason I can make a living out of it is because it's just me and my yeah. in my oh, car. Oh, no, totally. You yeah. know, um, so I can I can go away and go away for a week and come back with a couple of grand, or because I'm not spending any money. You know, it's 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 not. Um, there's a reason why you see a lot of breaking artists or solo artists and duos. It's because it's almost impossible to break a new art a new band. Yeah. It's just too expensive. Fees haven't gone up in line with inflation, um, and people have a lot less money to go and see small bands. Mm-hmm. You know, it was also there's just so much fucking music now, or actually there was always so much fucking music, but there's it's a problem we had on telling the trees, which we'd never had before. Was it wasn't um, wasn't people didn't like the record, or Actually, I don't even know if they would because it's so difficult to get anyone to reply to your email. It's the indifference, yeah. and actually, indifference is wrong. It's, I mean, you know, you you you, you run a label as the sheer amount of unsolicited, unsolicited mail you get makes I, it very difficult to actually deal with any of it. Yeah, my my issue now is that um, you just seem to get about fifteen to twenty Mailchimp mail outs a day from. These artists that all seem to be at the same level, yeah. Um, that become a bit kind of inconsequent. It's like it means nothing. I, you know, you listen yeah. to this music, and unfortunately, if it had been like ten years ago, you would have been like, "Oh my god, this is great." But, but now it's but just the same. Do you, do you know what? It's not even nothing. It's I've, I've seen it so. I mean, it happened to me when I worked in the music industry when I was a promoter. I lost my love of music pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where I go back and listen to stuff that I'd been exposed to early on when I was working there, and I listen to it now, and I fucking love it. But at the time, it was just another band, and it was just, fuck this. Yeah. I don't want to do it. I, you know, nothing, nothing, nothing will kill your love of music quite as quickly as working in the music industry. <laughs> you know, and it's and it's something that I now have to fight against from 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 my side, from the musician side, um, because yeah, it's been really difficult to get press for telling the trees. Like a lot, a lot more difficult than it's I ever been before. I remember when we last spoke about this, and you were quite. It was just, I think it was the period just before the album was coming out, and yeah. that period it's the worst for any artist. I always get a little anyway, but, but yeah. It's, yeah. Um, but I was so relieved when I started kind of seeing everything come through, and it. You did seem to, like, things... But the things you were getting, it was people that genuinely felt No, no, that's true. That's true. Phenomenal. Yeah. Um, there, there just wasn't... It's like a spoiled fucking brat. But, but it's... It's... A lot of the times it's not about... There, there's a level of public consciousness mm-hmm. that you have to reach before any of that... Before the good stuff matters. Yeah. So... The Scottish press pretty much ignored the album. I mean, fucking 
Yeah. I mean, the Scotsman Herald, Sunday Herald, The List, The Skinny. Uh, That's mental. I mean, mo- most of them reviewed it. Herald Group didn't even review it. Um, but there was no features, there was no interviews. And that's fine. You know, I'm not, I'm not, it's not like I'm fucking yeah. entitled to guaranteed interviews. But, but why, why do you think that? I don't know. I, th- I think it was, I think there was an element of it being my fifth album in five years. Mm-hmm. Um, so there definitely was an element of, we've been writing about his albums every year now, or, or, or a lot anyway. Um, so we'll maybe skip this one. Uh, the the problem came because they all skipped it. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't the national did a nice piece actually. Yeah. Um, but the and even times actually as well. But it was I don't want this to turn into me just fucking moaning about my record <laughs> not getting press. But in the con in the in the larger context, yeah. That there's so little column space and so many people vying for totally. it. Totally, and know, I think so that's it's... the thing that you're trying to, to get at, is that Yeah, it's... apart from me just wallowing a little bit, you know, <laughs> it's... Um... But I think it's good for people, I think it's especially for emerging artists, it's good for them yeah. to hear this as well, because, you know, it just shows you that it doesn't matter, you know. No. There's even big artists that we would consider yeah. big that are like, they're just not getting anything. No, and then, and then, yeah. It's a massive kick in the balls, you know. It's it's um, and and it really fucked with my mental health in a bad way, um, to the point where, um, Stuart from Kempo he had to come. I went out into Ravenna and had a full breakdown, and he had to come pick me up from Leicester. Really? Yeah, because I just flipped out, just fucking couldn't handle it anymore. And when that happens, you can you you go home and go. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> this maybe isn't the, the best career choice for me. In a couple of years, you will hopefully look back at this and go, "Okay, if this hadn't happened, then this wouldn't happen." Yeah, I mean, so... in, in, inevitably.
um, HQFU yes. I have to talk about. So, Sarah, like, she... She... She has... You and her have become quite good friends in yeah, terms of... And she's yeah. been quite integral in your in your life set oh, and yeah, things no, like that. Absolutely. It was... Um, weirdly, though, she was the last person I met from the wreck. Yeah. <laughs> Even though she lives, like, ten minutes from here. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'd, we'd recorded... We'd done our, our song with Mixed and Finished before we actually met. Um, I heard HQFU mid-last year, I think. Mm-hmm. Um I fucking loved it. Uh, I think it was Dust and Dirt. I think it was on the yeah. Um I first had like, like 808 State, but kind of a really fucked up 808 State, which mm-hmm. I really liked. Um, and I remember I was thinking once I first heard it that I wish that I hadn't already filled the album. Right. Because the album was actually full at that point. Um, and I remember thinking, fuck, I'd really like to do something with this, with this person. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then Charlotte Church pulled out because she was originally on the album. So I got all excited because the minute I could ask Sarah. So I ended up asking Sarah who wrote and recorded and did her arrangements and did some restructuring of the song actually as well in five days. Yeah, she's crazy. Like yeah. she'll do it, it in it such was, a quick time. It was time. so good. And it, it, it was actually, I, we were, I was away with Kirsty, with my partner Kirsty. Because being the awesome girlfriend she had, she booked a long weekend away for after the album mixing. Yeah. Um, so we were down in Kintyre in this place with really shitty internet connection, but that was the point. Um, and I just sent Sarah this stuff, and we booked the extra day of mixing that we were going to need. You know, but basically the album was finished. And at that point, I could have, I could have released the album without that song. And, you know, but we're like, right, let's see, see, if, see if Sarah's up for doing it, and if she is amazing. And if not, we've got an album. Uh, yeah, and we were away and I got this email with the wee thing. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> I remember it took about an hour to download on my phone. Oh my God. <laughs> and we just sitting there going, fuck. And then listening to it in, in the kitchen in that place and just like, fuck. Yeah. It's really good. Um, yeah, she did an amazing job. And Sarah on the Scottish tour, Sarah learned, pretty much learned over three quarters of the album. Yeah. So that when I didn't have a collaborator there, she could do the song, and did it beautifully. Mm-hmm. You know, the ne- obviously the next thing I, I guess is you've talked about quite a lot is is the album with with Aiden. Yeah. So there is a focus on that, and um, there's actually another album as well that's going to come out later this year. Right. I've not told anyone about yet. But you're doing. Yeah, it's done. Oh, it's almost done. Is it solo? It's almost done. It's different. Is it solo? It's different. Okay. It's um, it's it's not necessarily an Aaron Hobbit record, right? But it's but I, I started making three albums last year. Jesus. Um, so Tell No Trees was the first to come out. This one will come out at some point this year, and then it, the one of eight will be next year. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> thank yes. you for having me. No, thank you. <laughs>
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.